In the second half of the show, we'll explore the history of each location, the story of the Great America in each city and town along our route. What does it mean to be a Great America on the local level? Was it when a city prospered? When a new business came to town? During a time of civil unrest? Before Western civilization arrived? Resident historian Tom Przelski is here to tell us what made this place great. Tom Przelski is a Tucson native whose family roots in southern Arizona extend back to the 18th century. He worked for both the Pasquayaki tribe and the Tohono O'odham Nation before serving three terms in the Arizona House of Representatives. He was the Pima County historian, and his writings on Arizona history, politics, and culture have appeared in multiple publications. He is the author of California Lancers, the first battalion of Native cavalry in the Far West, 1863 to 1866. More importantly, Tom is our resident historian. Well, hello, Tom. Welcome to the show. Hello, Laura. Thank you for having me. In which time period was it a great America in Los Angeles? Los Angeles is a very big, complicated city, but the time when we're, we're going to say it was great was really between the the two world wars from about 1918 to the uh, late 1940s. What made it great? Well, this was a period of time when Los Angeles, at the beginning of 20th century, only the most forward-thinking civic booster would have ever said Los Angeles was going to amount to anything. But by the 1930s, it was the center for a new industry, the film industry. It started to become an industrial center and a shipping center in a number of different ways. And finally, Los Angeles had enough water, thanks to stealing water from their neighbors, basically, to sustain development. So the city boomed in a huge way and eventually became first the largest city in California and then the largest city in the West and then the, the second largest city in the United States. Who was included? in that great America? California had always been from, of course, the gold rush had always been seen as this great land of opportunity where there was the possibility of getting wealthy or at least prosperous was available to everybody. Los Angeles was certainly no exception. So the, all these new industries were, were largely powered by immigrants, Jewish immigrants in the case of the film industry a lot of Irish immigrants as well. And even at least at first, African-Americans came for, for opportunity as well, although that didn't last. But it was, uh, it was really seen as this paradise and a place where people could succeed and live in a big house and experience this notion of a California lifestyle, which was beginning to become realized in this era. Who was excluded from that great America? Well, as Los Angeles grew. The city fathers became increasingly conservative, I guess, in some ways. In the early 20th century, there's very much a notion among a lot of local governments that you had to be a so-called progressive city. You had to be a clean city. And those were often code words for you had to kind of marginalize groups that didn't fit into someone's vision of what America was. So you see the Mexican-American community growing increasingly marginalized. Uh, it's actually the Mexican-American community in terms of population is at its nadir in Los Angeles during this era. The African-American community in particular was basically being effectively segregated into certain neighborhoods. Now, what's important to note here is that Los Angeles, unlike the cities in the South, did not actually have 
legal segregation to the extent that existed in some cities, but realtors and the people who were developing real estate were very careful about putting language in their deeds, deed restrictions that said you couldn't sell to African-Americans. So there were ways around not having outright legal segregation that were going on. So the city over this period was becoming increasingly segregated, both legally segregated and de facto segregated over time. That would become a problem later. How does that tie into current day? Well, Los Angeles is a uh, big, unwieldy city in some ways. The legacy of both segregation and the legacy of the fact that the city was built entirely to accommodate the automobile have meant that the city is very much sprawling and it's also broken up into several smaller named communities. So it makes it very difficult to govern. And that is a legacy of this early era and the early way it developed in in those years. One of the things that kind of brought an end to that era was that those communities that were uh, marginalized and segregated developed a certain solidarity and a certain political power, and they were eventually able to control City Hall and assert themselves, not necessarily control City Hall, but at least assert themselves in a lot of different ways. And so that led to conflicts between a community that wanted to stay the same and people who said, no, no, the way we used to be really wasn't working for a lot of people. And that's what has been powering the political debate in Los Angeles ever since. I mean, if you look at, let's say, the the whole story of Chavez Ravine, which was a, uh, a Mexican-American community that was essentially uprooted and destroyed to build Dodger Stadium in the name of progress. As a result of that, you start having uh, a Mexican-American community that is much more politically mobilized and politically visible and able to influence the outcome of elections and, and public policy. You can see the legacy of that era of this uh, phenomenal growth in Los Angeles. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for being on the show. You're welcome, Laura. I'll see you next week. All right. Thank you for listening to In Search of the Great America. Today's episode had music by Valentin Sochnitsky. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. For show notes and more information on the podcast, please visit our website, greatamericaproject.com. Thank you.